Open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 5. If we can switch to my keynote. It's an interesting thing trying to decide what are you going to preach in the first service in a new place. And I was doing some reading and I found this. This was a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. And this was the first sermon that he preached in the New Metropolitan Tabernacle. I had intended to get a picture of it so that you could see it. He was 29 years old, and they had just built this 5,000-seat auditorium for him, 29 years old. And this was his text. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That was his text. But look at what he said right here. I think this is fantastic. I do not know whether there are any persons here present who can contrive to put themselves into my present position and to feel my present feelings. If they can affect that, they will give me credit for meaning what I say when I declare that I feel totally unable to preach. It appears that the one subject upon which men preached in the apostolic age was Jesus Christ. The tendency of man, if left alone, is continually to go further and further from God, and the church of God itself is no exception to the general rule. For the first few years during and after the apostolic era, Christ Jesus was preached, but gradually the church departed from the central point and began rather to preach ceremonials and church offices than the person of their Lord. I would propose, and oh, may the Lord grant us grace to carry out the proposition from which no Christian can dissent. I would propose that the subject of the ministry of this house, as long as this platform shall stand, and as long as this house shall be frequented by worshipers, shall be the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now as we study your word. And Lord, I pray that, that you are glorified by what happens in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, something that happens in churches is they begin to grow, they expand, they get newer, nicer, more modern facilities, and eventually they start moving away from where they started. And where this start church started all those years ago was the Fundamental Baptist Church the reason it was called the Fundamental Baptist Church, and if you read the history that Pastor Hovis wrote of that time, he wanted a church that would stand for the full deity of Jesus Christ. See, we've come to a time where to create a Jesus that fits into their social design. And what we're going to do here at Grace Baptist Church, and I love what Spurgeon said, as long as this platform stands... We will preach Jesus Christ. I want to look at a couple of passages this morning. If you look at that first passage, Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach this Christ. That has to be a central theme of everything we do. That is the person and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Acts chapter 17. When the Apostle Paul first went to Thessalonica, if you look at verse 1, 
Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three days reasoned with them, where? Out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. That's what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to take the word of God and open it and demonstrate to people that Jesus is the Christ. Amen? That's who he is. He is the Christ. So this morning, I was trying to think of what I could do for this time. And what Spurgeon said was he wasn't going to preach a sermon. He was going to give an outline or lay a foundation for what would be preached in that pulpit from then on. Isn't that a good thing? And so what I want you to know is that the first thing that's going to be preached here is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, not only his person, but the fact that he is God. Jesus Christ is God. You know, there are a lot of people that think that he was a good man. They think that he was a, a, a helpful person or a noble character. But they do not believe that he was born of a virgin that he lived a sinless life, that he died a substitutionary death on the cross for you and for me. His death on the cross was not for anything that he had done. It was for us. The reason that he came in his flesh was so that he could die on the cross for us. And my question to you today is, has Jesus become more of an ideal or is he still a person to you, your personal savior that you talk with Every day and all day. Is he the center of your life? That was the preaching that the Bible told the men to do in the early church. Here in Acts chapter 17, he is, it's at the end of verse 3, I preach the, uh, that whom I preach unto you is Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you some plans for our church and some direction that we would like the church to go. And we're going to be talking about programs and plans and way to reach people and ways to structure our Sunday school and ways to care for the buildings so that people come in. And all that stuff is helpful. Isn't it nice having the screens and having the PA system and the padded chairs and the nice building to be in? All that is good. But all that we ever needed was Jesus Christ, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. That's all that is necessary for us to have church. All of this is an extra for us and an opportunity to reach people. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There are a lot of people that have all different ideas and different plans on how to do ministry. But look at verse 17. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Colossae, For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Now, what is he saying there? Baptism can't save you. Baptism is not a part of the gospel. So if you're here and someone asks you whether or not you're going to go to heaven and your answer is, well, I was baptized, that's the wrong answer. Because the only way we can go to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in that. Baptism cannot save you. So there was some division in that church about who baptized them. And so Paul says, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. 
And then in verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us, us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want you to think about something. As I watch YouTube debates and you see what these atheists will say, the, and, and this is a statement that has been made, what kind of a God would torture his son on a cross to save other people? An amazingly merciful God. And that son chose to do that for us. You see, that preaching of the cross, it's foolishness to the world. But to us who believe, it's the power of God. Aren't you saved here today? You got saved through that shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's vital that we understand that we will never be the popular church. Now, here's the, here's the, the fun thing. Now we're the cool church. But we will never be the popular church in town because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to the world. The world has all kinds of wisdom, but that wisdom, let's look at the, the rest of this text. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, some modern translations of the Bible change that to those of us who are being saved. How many of you glad that, are glad that it's done? Isn't that good? Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Is that the world that we live in? Everybody wants to argue about whether or not the Bible's true, about who God is, whether or not God exists. Did he create the world? Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God... The world, by wisdom, knew not God. In other words, you cannot create God. There are people who believe that the reason there is a God is because we invented him. Well, according to God, by man's wisdom, you could never have come up with who he is. Isn't that interesting? They're so arrogant, they think that they could imagine him. So the Bible says that their wisdom is not true wisdom. Verse 21 for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, we're going to preach Christ. We're going to preach Christ crucified. We don't care if the world thinks we're foolish. We don't care if the world thinks we're crazy. I'm just telling you, that Christ that we were singing about this morning, he's real, and he lives. And I, how do I know he lives? He lives within my heart. See, we have a personal relationship, not with a historical figure, but with a personal, risen, powerful Savior that we can interact with. And you ready for this? He's here with us today. He is here today. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Are we gathered together in his name today? 
The reason we come together on Sunday is because that's the day that he rose from the dead. So we preach Christ. We preach Christ in his Godhead. We preach Christ in his humanity. I am thankful that he became a man so that he could experience the same temptations that we do without sin. And then he could pay our price so that now we have access to the throne of God through that one person. Remember what the Bible says. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's one. I'm not your priest. I am a priest. Every saved person is a priest. Amen? Jesus Christ is our high priest. Jesus Christ is our mediator. You don't confess your sin to me. You don't confess your sin to someone else. You can take your sin straight to the Father through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit bears witness. What a wonderful thing that is. So we're going to lay the foundation of what will always be preached here. What will always be preached is that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ was sinless. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried in that borrowed tomb and he rose from the dead the third day, proving that he was, is, and always will be God. That's who we preach here. That's what this is all about. And our desire is to gather people together and preach Jesus Christ unto them. Not only are we going to preach Christ... Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6. What are we going to preach about him? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 13. I give charge, or give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. So the only reason that anything has life is because of God. Right? That's what, that's what the passage is saying. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in, notice what it says here, his times he shall show. Do you see that? In his times he shall show. Keep your place here in 1 Timothy 6 and go to Luke chapter 21. Jesus is talking about what's going to happen during the tribulation. In verse 24, Luke 21 and verse 24, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Now look at what it says. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We are living in the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles are going to end, according to Romans chapter 11, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. What does that mean? That's the, when the last Gentile gets saved. Wouldn't it be wild if the last Gentile to get saved was in here today? It could happen. It could be in this room. And what's going to happen is the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. What is that? That's the time of Gentile leadership in the world. Now, are there any Jews that are in leadership in the world? Yes, but in general, it is the Gentile nations that rule the world. We govern the world. That's going to end. And all of this is going to happen until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What comes after the times of the Gentiles? Go to back to 
First Timothy chapter 6. Verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. Is there another person that calls himself the potentate? Is there another person who calls himself the potentate? What's the Bible say? He's going to show which in, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and what's that next word? Only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to who, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Do you know what's coming after the times of the Gentiles? The times of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is going, we're, we're no longer going to be ruled by Gentile kings. We're going to be ruled by our Savior. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. He is going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. Is he that now? Yes. Is he honored as that? No. The Bible says, now he has not yet put all things under his feet, but he will. So we preach Christ Jesus, who is God. We preach Christ Jesus, who is crucified and risen. But we preach Christ Jesus, who is coming again, visibly, to this earth, to establish a thousand-year reign, and we're going to rule and reign with him. One of the keys to doing biblical ministry is to understand right division. And this church must always preach Christ and the fact that he is coming back. We can never begin allegorizing that. It is a fact. He could come back today. And we know that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And it's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, that the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. How many of you have loved ones that have gone on to be with the Lord? That body that was buried, that's going to be raised in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. And we're going to be like him. That's what we preach. This isn't just some religion. This is an actual fact that is going to happen. And that, what, that is what will always be preached from this platform. Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again in power and great glory. Isn't that fantastic? That's who we are. We will preach Christ. I love the things that it says about Jesus in this passage. Verse 15 again, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who only, notice what it says there, hath immortality. What is immortality? No beginning, no end. Jesus is the only person who has that. See, we get to have everlasting life, but we had a beginning. Jesus Christ didn't have a beginning. Only Jesus has that. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. Why can no man approach unto it? Because of sin. But now we can have access to the throne because of Jesus Christ. How wonderful is it going to be to be in the presence of God without sin? Imagine that. That's what's coming. And then notice what it says. Whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Folks, here at Grace Baptist Church, I don't know how long the Lord will let me live. I plan to work here for a lot longer. But what happens when the next pastor comes? See, it's probably going to be you guys that are making that decision. What kind of pastor are you going to want to have? Now, you need to lower your expectations so he won't be as good looking as me. You've got to lower those expectations. It's not fair. What, what kind of pastor? What kind of pastor are you going to have? 
See, it's hard to imagine that you guys are involved in that decision. The direction of this church is in your hands. So when it comes time for there to be another pastor, you need to make sure that he believes that Jesus Christ is God. You need to make sure he believes that he is the only way. Not only was he sinless, but he could not sin and he never will sin. The basis of our salvation is his sinlessness, his righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. The only righteousness we will ever have is the righteousness that we receive from him. Any pastor that ever comes here, he must believe that. Anytime you start mixing any kind of good works or social outreach or baptism or money or anything to the gospel, it waters down the gospel. Anything that you mix with the gospel produces error. That's what this church is going to preach. We're going to preach Jesus Christ. Not only are we going to preach Jesus Christ, we're going to preach the Word of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. So notice what happens in verse 1. So I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. That means that there is a judgment, and you're either going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, and that's for all who have been saved, or you're going to be at the great white throne judgment, that's for all who are eternally damned. Because of that, that foundation, and then look at what it says, at his appearing and his kingdom. His appearing and his kingdom. It's a fact. That is coming. Because of that, based on that, what are we supposed to do? Verse 2, preach what people need. Is that what it says? Preach the word. Preach the word. I hope there's never a time when people can come to Grace Baptist Church without carrying a Bible. And I, I did notice, it was pointed out to me, that we need new Bibles in the chairs. How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever noticed that you need a magnifying glass to read the Bibles that we wrote? And Dan New told me he's too old to see... Where's Dan? I don't know where anybody's sitting anymore. This is terrible. So we got to buy new Bibles to, to put in here. Why? You can't come to Grace Baptist Church and understand what's going on without a Bible. Amen? And the good news is you can't be a Baptist without a Bible. You cannot be who we are without a Bible. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, preach the word. You know, there are a lot of things that will help people. It doesn't matter whether it's recovery, uh, addiction recovery, all of those types of things. And I'm for all of those ministries. There's all kinds of things that we can do. We publish books. We publish the journal. And we send those things around the world. We're going to hopefully one of these days have a live stream. We're going to be doing all these things using all kinds of technology. But, but the, the, the literature, the books, all of those things must be secondary to the preaching and teaching of God's word. It must be. The Bible says preach the word. It's interesting. The Bible doesn't say write books. How many of you are thankful God didn't call you to write a book? You're thankful for that? What's the old saying? Somebody said uh, people say they want to write a book. What they mean is they want to have written a book. That's good, isn't it? Aren't you glad that God didn't require you to write a book, but he does call, require you to preach the gospel? 
See, God's plan is that by the foolishness of preaching, folks will be saved. That's what we're supposed to do. And what are we supposed to preach? We preach Jesus Christ through the word of God. We are going to preach the word. So the foundation of Grace Baptist Church is the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and preaching verse by verse by verse through the Bible. What a wonderful thing it is to open up the word of God and say, well, so what does the Bible say about preaching? Well, we're supposed to preach Christ. That, that preaching is foolishness to the world, but to those that believe, it's the power of God. That, that it's through the foolishness of preaching that God has chose to save them that believe. That, that, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to preach. And the way that we're supposed to do that is to preach the word. How many of you have ever been to a service where you really didn't need your Bible? You ever been in a situation like that? Let that never be Grace Baptist Church. If we're having a special series and somebody's doing a history thing or a presentation of something, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our regular fare at Grace Baptist Church. It must be verse by verse by verse. How many of you have ever noticed or observed that it's possible that I have a different opinion on something than you do? Is, is, is that possible? You don't need my opinions. And the people said, you need the preaching of the word of God. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to preach the Bible. Preach the word. We have an extraordinary Savior. And we have an extraordinary book. Look at Psalm 138. Let's just look at this and then we'll move on. you already knew that we were supposed to preach Christ. Did you know that? Look at verse 1, Psalm 138 and verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. You see, there are a lot of churches that sing a lot about Jesus Christ. And they talk about Jesus. But they do not exalt his word. You cannot worship God properly without exalting his word. Because he has magnified his word above his name. Is that what the text says? above his name. That's why the foundation for everything we have here is the word of God. And we believe that we have God's word, every word that God wants us to have, and we can hold it in our hands and believe it and teach it and preach it. It doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be improved. It needs to be preached. It needs to be believed. It needs to be meditated on and it needs to be lived. That is the foundation for everything we do at Grace Baptist Church. We'll preach Christ. We're going to preach his word because we have an extraordinary Christ, an extraordinary Bible. But God gave us an extraordinary plan. And that plan is the local New Testament church. Do you know what I would love to see happen? I would love to see Grace Baptist Church be able to start churches all over this area. We don't just, I want you to think about something. What are we going to do when we fill this up? Look around, seriously. Everybody look around. Now, good news is we can put more chairs in here. 
But what are we going to, uh, how many of you really think we're going to fill it up? Seriously. I think we're going to. Isn't it a verse in the Bible, if you build it, they will come? Is that in the Bible? <laughs> I, think that they're, I think that they're going to come. How many buildings are we going to build? Wouldn't it be better to start another church? Wouldn't it be better to start three churches? Five churches? Ten churches? My dad started a church in 1967, I think. 68 in uh, Liverpool, New York, outside Syracuse. I think that church has started 21 churches in that area. James Wiley, he was actually here uh, Monday. They, he was going to come with Jeff Faggart last week. So they, he started Church Hill Baptist Church. Isn't that a great name? It's on Church Hill. That's why it's called Church Hill Baptist. You, you got that? Yeah. So they started that church. They're getting ready to start another church, which will be number 15, all over Maine. You see, what is God's plan? God's plan is for us to get saved through the preaching of the Word of God, preaching Christ through the Bible. His plan is for us to get saved, for us to be baptized, follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Not part of our salvation, amen? That was so weak. So that baptism is not part of our salvation, Amen. But it is important. So we're to be baptized, and then we're supposed to tell other people about what we've learned, and that's called discipleship. If you have not been discipled yet, I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But God's plan is for us to be saved, to be baptized, for us to learn to show someone else what we were taught so that they can be saved and baptized. And then it is God's plan for this church to send people out to start other churches until the Lord returns. That's what God's plan is. Amen? So what does that do? There's that an extraordinary plan is that New Testament church. And a church is supposed to look in a, a, a certain way. I'm not talking about the way that we dress or even the order of our services. But what it's supposed to look like is we're supposed to have the Bible as our sole authority. There's no outside organization that tells this church what to do. Uh, we're uh, doing some more banking, and one of the questions from the, the bank is, do you belong to any national uh, affiliation? Do you have any national affiliation? No. We're an autonomous, independent Baptist church because that is God's plan in the Scriptures. All right, so the Bible is our sole authority. We believe in that autonomy of the local church. We're self-governing. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. You don't come and, and confess your sin to me. We confess our faults one to another. We confess our sin to Jesus Christ because we are all priests. We can pray for each other. We can go to the throne for other people. But then we believe that there are only two offices in the church. I mentioned what Spurgeon said, that, that churches started moving away from preaching Christ to preaching offices as if I can forgive sin. Exalt the office of a priest so that that priest can control you by whether or not he's going to give you that forgiveness of sin. Can you imagine, Matt, if I controlled your salvation? Man, you all get a lot more done if I controlled your salvation, I can tell you that. It, isn't it amazing how everything went away from the simplicity that is in Christ? The way that a church is supposed to function, pastor and deacons, pastor preaches and leads the church and the deacons help him serve the people. Those are only two offices in the church. That's it. 
There's no cardinals and archbishops and all these other offices. It's the pastor and the deacon. And the pastor must be a man. The Bible says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not the woman to usurp, to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in subjection. God has called for male leadership in the church. But isn't it interesting that the first person that God had to testify to his resurrection was a woman? See, women have a place in ministry. They're just not supposed to be the pastors. God has a plan. The work has to be done God's way. Individual soul liberty. I can't make you believe anything. I can't make you do anything. Individual soul liberty. And then a saved church membership. You must be born again to be a member of a New Testament church. And then two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And neither of those save you. That's it. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's it. Those are our only two options for our ordinances. And we remember Jesus Christ through those. And then a separation of church and state. That is a kind of church that God ordained. And that's who we are. And that's all that will ever be preached from this platform. Amen? That is who we are and that is who we will always be. So we have an extraordinary Savior. We have an extraordinary Bible. He gave us an extraordinary plan. It's called the Great Commission. Do you know what that tells us, though? We have an extraordinary opportunity. Look with me at... 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. I hope I've not said anything you don't know. Amen? We're just saying this is the foundation for everything that we are. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Look at what it says in verse 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Notice what it says. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Folks, we've been put in trust with the gospel. He has allowed us to do this. Not we have to, we get to. Amen? We have an extraordinary opportunity here. You see, my desire is for every person in this room to be discipled. What is discipleship? That's where a person who has been trained here at Grace Baptist, if, we, if it's a man, we assign you a man. If it's a lady, we assign you a lady. And that person takes you through some lessons. But more than that, they teach you what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they prepare you to be able to do that for someone else. That's God's plan. The, the, the things that thou, 2 Timothy 2, 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In the book of Hebrews, the, the, the writer says, at the time when you ought to be teaching others, I have to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. We're all supposed to be teaching someone else. That's biblical discipleship. Now, how many of you have been discipled? Would you raise your hands here at Grace Baptist? You've been discipled. Okay, so there's some that haven't. We need you to sign up for discipleship because we have a trained discipler ready and waiting to disciple you. And then we have others who have been discipled, and soon we're going to start the next series of discipler training, and those people are going to need somebody to disciple. Because here's what's going to happen. New people are going to start coming to Grace Baptist. We need to be ready for them. We need trained disciplers. 
You see, at Grace Baptist, our opportunity that God has given us, and not because of anything that Jim Alter has done, by doing the, by, the, the ministry biblically, you will have more of an opportunity to serve here than you will anywhere else. Someone asked me one time, um, what do you have for small groups? I said, they're very small. It's one-on-one. Amen? That is our focus. Listen, we can only do... How many of you need something else to do? You've just got all kinds of spare time. You're not doing anything with your life. No, that's why God ordained that you come to church and that you make disciples. Those are the things that he's asked you to do. Isn't that good? And that's what we are trying to arrange Grace Baptist around. You have a great opportunity. I want to talk, and, and I'm done. So what's going to be preached from this platform is Jesus Christ, the fact that he's God, the fact that he suffered and died on the cross for us, rose from the dead, and that he's coming back visibly. We're going to preach the word of God. We're going to execute the plan, which is the New Testament church. And that plan through the New Testament church is evangelism and discipleship. The opportunity that we all have, though, is the opportunity to serve, to have a part in that. So let me talk to you just briefly about some things that you can do. All right? Number one, you need to be saved. If you're not saved, nothing else matters. You need to place your faith and trust in Jesus alone for your eternal life. As we've already said, your baptism won't save you. Your church membership won't save you. Your good works won't save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ will save you. Amen? Amen. So the first thing you need to do is get saved. The second thing you need to do is you need to be baptized. Because in order to lead anything at Grace Baptist Church, you have to be a member of the church. Doesn't that make sense? To be a member of the church, you have to be baptized in a church of like faith and practice. That is, they either have to be baptized here or you have to be baptized in a church that believes the way that we do. Why is that? Because baptism identifies you with a local church and with that church's doctrine. That's what your baptism does. That's why people have been killed over baptism for 2,000 years. Because their baptism separated them and identified them. So if you've not been scripturally baptized, you need to be scripturally baptized and you need to be able to serve here because we need you. We need you. So you need to be saved. You need to be baptized. You need to be discipled. And you need to be discipling. All of those things are important. But beyond that, we need simple things. We need people that, that sweep off the sidewalks. We need people that, that care about the facility. We need people that care about marks on the walls and all of those things. Um, there's a great passage in the book of Proverbs. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Apparently, now I, I, don't, I don't know, but I've heard oxen can be messy. So can sheep. So can people. So can kids. We had the nursery up in the chapel. And Heather Kennedy said that we need covers for the outlets if the kids are in there for the nursery. And I was thinking, they've got to learn how electricity works sometime. (laughs) How many of you put a key in an outlet at some point in your life? How many of you did that? Yes, I heard about you, Melody. I heard about that this morning. I did it too. We don't really want that in the nursery, right? That's not what we, we want power, but not that kind of power. We want them to have an experience, but not that kind of an experience. I'm glad that she was there and saw that. I'm glad that Patrick was there to go and find them and get them plugged in and, and do it as wife said. I'm really thankful that that was able to happen. 
Can you see how important that little thing was? How many think that was an important thing? Yeah. That's what we need. We need everyone to say, yes, this is the Lord's church, but it's my church too. We need ownership. Little things. Wipe your feet when you walk in the building. How many think that's a weird thing for a preacher to say on a Sunday morning? Why? Because I get left to replace the carpet, and that costs money, and then I got to come and say, hey, we need more money to do this. And Amen? Just little things. Little things. You, little things like you need to be saved. You need to be baptized. You need to be discipled. You need to be discipling someone else. You need to take ownership of what's going on in this place. Serving the Lord here is not drudgery. Man, it's such a blessing. It's just, it's such a blessing. I don't know about you guys, but I had goosebumps while they were singing up there this morning. Just fantastic. I'm so thankful to be in this room. And what I'm glad is this isn't the end of anything. This is the beginning of something really cool. You need to be saved. You need to be baptized. You need to be discipled. You need to be discipling someone else. You need to be taking ownership of what happens in this place. If we'll do those things, if we'll get active, we need more choir members. Where's Maureen at? Amen? We need more choir members. We need more people singing. Do you know what that will make you want to do? If you're really interested in what's happening here, it will make you invite someone. Man, you need to come see what's going on at Grace Baptist. You need to come see. He tells really stupid jokes, but the Bible is preached. That happened. Stacy knew, invited someone. And they said, isn't that where they have that short preacher that thinks he's funny? That's what really said that. And, of course, she couldn't wait to tell me that. <laughs> you need to invite people. I mean, you really believe God's doing something special here at Grace Baptist. We've got to tell people about it. Yes, we're going to be doing flyers and advertising and doing all of those things. And those are helpful. And we're going to be asking you for money to do those things because it's also expensive. But the best advertising is you telling somebody else, just come with me. Let's go to lunch afterwards. Just come with me. I want you to see what's happening. And what's really fun is when you're serving, when you're singing, it's even easier. Hey, our choir's doing something special. I'm singing it. Will you come hear me? Whatever it is. Hey, I'm working out in the parking lot. I need somebody to help me. Come out in the parking lot with me. There's lots of things that we need done, and it's a great opportunity. Because what has God done? He has allowed us to be in the ministry. He's put us in trust with the gospel, and it's a tremendous opportunity. So I wanted to accomplish two things today. Number one, I wanted to get through the message without breaking down and bawling like a baby because this is such an amazing day. But really, number one, I wanted to establish what is going to be preached from this pulpit. I loved what Spurgeon said. As long as this pulpit stands, as long as this platform stands, we're going to preach Christ. We're going to preach the word of God, and we're going to function as a New Testament church. The second thing that I wanted to impress on you is the amazing opportunity that we have now. How many of you have noticed it was hard to invite people because if they brought a whole family, there was no place for them to sit? We don't have that problem anymore. Let's invite people. Amen? So here's what I want to ask you today. I'm done. As a matter of fact, let's all stand. Here's the question that I have for you. What does, what does God want you to do? What does, what does he want you to do? Now, my job as pastor, the leadership job, our, our, our job is to facilitate work for you. And I understand all of that. But I believe that God works in people's hearts and in their lives. 
So with with everybody, let me ask you this question. Is there someone here that needs to be saved? First thing is you need to be saved. There's someone here that say, I've never asked Jesus to save me. You know, just lift your hand. I, no, one's, no, one's, no one's looking but me. I need to be saved. There's someone here that say, Pastor, I need to be baptized so I can serve. I need to be baptized. I might have been baptized in a church of different doctrine, but I need to be baptized here. There's someone here to raise your hand and say, I need to be baptized. Yes, I see that hand. Someone else? I need to be baptized. Someone here that would say, I need to be discipled. I do need to need to sign and get involved in that discipleship. Would you raise your hand? Someone here that would say that? All right. Someone here that would say, I need to be discipling somebody else. I need to be doing that. Would you raise your hand? Yes, I see those. Amen. Is there someone here that would say, I just need to do something. I, I, need, to, I need to take ownership of this. Just answer that between you and the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to hearts. Thank you for the opportunity to preach in this place.